Robert Diamond is the founder, creator of Broadway World, and I know it may seem like this has been with us since the beginning of time, but it's now 15 years, which seems to be unfathomable, because I don't remember life in theater before Broadway World. Not, n- neither do I. <laughs> but uh, it all started in May of 2003, so as we're taping this, it's almost 15 years. Yeah. So what was the impetus for getting... Getting behind and getting this going, you know. <laughs> uh, it was all Michael Crawford's fault, as I often tell him. Um, sort of the medium-length version of a very long story is uh, I was working in technical publishing, and on the side of that, I was making Michael Crawford's official website, which I had been doing since I was in college uh, when I had a fan website for Michael Crawford, which was the second largest. Uh, and I've always been psychotically competitive, so that was <laughs> totally unacceptable. Uh, and this lovely woman wrote to me, I was in my Syracuse University dorm room, and said, you know, she had been a fan of Michael for multiple decades, she could send me things to scan in, and I would have the biggest Michael Crawford website. <laughs> so I said yes, and she sent 20-something boxes to my wow. Syracuse dorm room. Uh, my roommate loved me. And like a good crazy fan, I spent a few months scanning all this in, and when the website went online, a few weeks later I got a legal letter from <laughs> Michael's charitable fan association letting me know that I violated several thousand copyright laws. Um, And some of the photos I had scanned in, they were selling for sick children's charities. So it was like, we're going to sue you and you're going to hell. And I said, instead of suing me, hire me. So instead of going to hell, you went to doing a Broadway website. Right. (laughs) For no money. um, So it was better than the alternative. Um, So I was working for this technical publishing company. I started as an intern in high school, and when I graduated college, I was working for them, never fully happy there. It wasn't what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, And making Michael's website sort of brought me into the rest of the theater world. And uh, then Michael did a a little-known show called Dance of the Vampires. Um, (laughs) I didn't see it, but I remember when it was playing. Yes, uh, I saw it many times. I took dates there that never went well. and um, (laughs) (laughs) Because of the show or just... uh... (laughs) That's a different interview. (laughs) Uh, But I wound up making a fan site for Dance of the Vampires because they didn't have an official website, which is another convoluted Mm -hmm. story. And it was while doing that, I created this whole website that had message boards, it had a login system, it was very technologically advanced, because that was me at the time. And while developing that, I started looking at the other theater sites out there to sort of promote it, and just to, as I was getting involved in the world of theater. And I thought, oh, this one doesn't do this that I'd like it to, and this one doesn't do that. And when the show closed, very quickly thereafter... Um, Sort of while feeling sad about that, I thought, you know, somebody could build a better theater website. Um, so if you went to Broadway World in its first few weeks, the error page was a flying bat. Um, <laughs> and it all sort of grew out of that. Um, so it's, the, the short version is Michael Crawford's fault, but that's the, the longer version. Did you have any idea as you were doing that that it would maybe turn into the, no. the big industry source? No, it was ne- it was never started as a business. It was just yeah. started as like a, a site for people that loved theater that would take better advantage. I thought of technology, um, and it you know the right place, the right time, and maybe a little bit of intelligence and a lot of hard work. It 
it was a couple of years in before it, it was, oh, there, there could be a business here. And then it was a couple of years after that before, yeah. <laughs> okay, we're, we're, there is a business here. Um, and yeah, here right we, we got like Broadway world correspondence all over the U.S., right? We are in uh, 100 markets across the U.S., uh, and in about a week and a half, we'll be announcing we're in 50 countries worldwide. Wow. That's... So we, we put world in our title, and then we had to live up to it. How do you deal with <laughs> the, how, how do you sift through all the data? <laughs> uh, that? That's a lot of stuff being I work great. in a home office with uh, 12 computer screens. Um, and then a window on a lake, but uh, most of the day is spent looking at the 12 computer screens. Uh, we've got a very good team of people, um, and technology is still one of my sort of top two passions in life. Um, so we've built a lot of systems that help us you know, manage our uh, nearly 1,000 contributors in these 150 markets, let us spot trends, let us look at, you know, this story is popular in this region, mm-hmm. oh, wait, that show is being done in these other places. Um, they're sort of looking from a, a bird's eye view and um, data, data, data. <laughs> <laughs> so what have been some of the trends? Or, I mean, because, wow, so, I mean, social media and websites and, you know, and Facebook and YouTube and so much has changed in that uh, 15 years that you've been active has been a very uh, tumultuous time in tech. Yeah. And I'm just kidding. what have been some of the biggest challenges that have come up, you know, over the past 15 years in terms of staying on top with what you're doing? Um, we try and stay, you know, skate where the puck is going, the old you know, the Wayne Gretzky quote. Um, so we're always, I mean, technology is always evolving. Uh, I was in a meeting today looking at virtual reality things and augmented reality things, which may or may not go anywhere. Yeah. Uh, but we've always sort of prided ourselves on, you know, we were, were uh, you know, the first on Facebook, the first on Twitter, the first site that was doing video content. Yeah. We had a radio station until we didn't. Um, <laughs> so we, we've always sort of, immediately launched first into any new technology, even if we're not doing it well. Um, <laughs> and then hopefully... Well, Bird gets the worm on. I mean, yeah. I mean the, you're not the only tech company with that attitude. That's I mean, Yeah, we were, you know, the in. first version of our apps didn't work. They crashed constantly. My, my mother, who seems to be our number one app user, was always, you know, I can't get the news, it's broken. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean, when we started, there was no social media. Um, that came along and then, you know, it's quickly become part of all of our daily lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's challenges there. I mean, it speeds things up. Yeah. Uh, so something can, a story can become bigger faster than it used to, or a controversy can blow up faster mm-hmm. than it used to. Um, but, I mean, we've always wanted to be first out with content, first out with news. Um, so a lot of it has sort of fit well into the, the social media world that's killing us all slowly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, how is, I mean, like I said, you can blow stuff up faster, but, you know, Facebook kind of claims to be a boon right. for everybody. Do you see it that way? We never went all in on Facebook. It's just sort of a personal either preference or fear of mine is, you know, depending solely on a, another person's yeah. platform that you can't control. And, you know, Facebook from day one, you know, it was, and now everybody has to do video, and now everybody has to do groups. Uh, you know, now you need to do memes and make yeah. everything be shareable and encourage people yeah. to share. And then you suddenly you can't tell people to share. Yeah. Um, so we never sort of threw money at Facebook as some others in this space did. And we never sort of, you know, pivoted or tried to change everything we were doing to embrace the Facebook audience. Um, I think something that probably makes the theater world unique is, you know, people are coming to Broadway World because they love theater. 
Mm-hmm. So we're not sort of trying to ride a, either the Trump wave or an anti-Trump wave yeah. um, or go for politics or go for, you know, so the general of everybody likes recipes, or everybody likes dog videos. Um, it's sort of a specific point and a specific passion point that we're trying to hit through social media, apps, email, this, that, and the other thing. Um, not sort of tied to one specific place. How much does one massive show and the interest around one massive show change your traffic? Let's say uh, perhaps a show that rhymes with Hamilton. There was a period when it felt like uh, everybody in the theater space was running 14 stories a day with, <laughs> with Hamilton in the headline. Um, and every story was hitting because Hamilton was in the headline. Uh, it was good for us. I mean, this, this season in particular, when there is no sort of Hamilton-type hit, yeah. uh, our traffic is actually higher than it was. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, if actually these shows influenced traffic or if just theater interest in general was kind of pretty uh, steady. In the, both. So at the time, okay. all of our traffic was Hamilton, yeah. uh, which was sort of sucking the air out of the room. Uh, this season, when there isn't really a, a Hamilton-type show, uh, it turns out that slightly less interest in more shows uh, is better for overall traffic. Um, and our traffic is growing, so hopefully we're you know, doing some things ourselves in there as well as... We'll be right back to this interview after a brief word from our sponsors. Special thanks to our travel sponsor. Are you looking at majoring in theater for a career as a creative artist? I've created a program at the University of Providence in Montana that is designed to meet your goals. If you want to be an artist, you are an entrepreneur, and our BA in Theater and Business Arts is designed for you to learn essential business skills with classes specifically designed for theater artists. You'll also explore different artistic skills to help you develop your talents, and our productions are very student-driven, with a real focus on students creating their own work, so you know how to do that once you graduate. With a senior creative project of your choice, and a business senior project of developing your own five-year business plan for your career. After graduation, you'll know exactly what your next steps are. UP also has some great programs like a four-year graduation guarantee and a student loan repayment assistance program. If you'd like to find out more, click on our sponsor link at broadwaybullet.com. Special thanks to our location sponsor. Writers need a full community of support in order to do their important work. That's where DGF steps in. The Dramatist Guild Foundation is a national charity that fuels the future of American theater by supporting playwrights, composers, lyricists, and book writers at all stages of their careers. They do this by sponsoring educational programs, providing emergency aid to writers in need, and offering a free rehearsal space where I recorded this episode. In April of this year, DGF launched its New Voices program, which brought trained teaching artists into fourth-grade classrooms. These artists led the students in the collaborative creation of their own plays, which were then performed for the school by professional actors. It is crucial that young students are given proper access and training in theater to share their stories and learn the power of their own voices. If you'd like to help support DGF in fostering the writers of tomorrow, please visit dgf.org and be sure to follow them on Twitter at DG Found. Now, back to our interview in progress. You know, the, the Broadway I mean, world. I feel like you've got to have so much data in there from everything you've been doing that have you looked into, are you 
It feels like you could be some sort of a market research group of some sort for, <laughs> I mean, to be able to spot trends. Is this? Uh, it's come up. We've tried to do some things with data. Yeah. Uh, our Probably our biggest flop in 15 years was, uh, it was called social networking, uh, which one of the mistakes was I never said it out loud when I was building it and, <laughs> and trademarking it. Uh, social. Social networking. Yeah. So we, we built this whole thing that was like, it was sort of in the early days of Facebook that was yeah. going to be like pages for every actor, pages for every show. Uh, and I created a whole recommendation engine algorithm that said, you know, if you liked Idina Menzel, you might also like Anthony Rapp. So it looked at what everybody liked um, and tried to recommend things. Uh, it turned out it was a waste of time to trademark it because nobody else ever would want to use the term <laughs> social networking. Uh, and the trademark still hangs on my office wall to remind me. Like, you know, it's like the shame bell in Game of Thrones. Um, and that was sort of the first time we used data. And it Let's turned see, out. If we're not making any mistakes, we're not trying enough things. Right. You know? uh, and that now actually powers other parts of the website. Right. So we use data ourselves. So we know if somebody is coming from a certain market and looking at Broadway content, we're going to recommend different things than if they're you know, from California looking at California theater. That's um, why from Montana, I never see recommendations for good theater. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> Is that my fault or Montana's fault? <laughs> the, the algorithm's fault, I guess, yes. and Montana's. Um, sometimes it's artificial intelligence. Sometimes it's artificial stupidity. Uh, I've been very protective of our users' data, um, and it's not sort of really set up to teach external parties something useful. Uh, from time to time, we'll do surveys for a show, um, or somebody will ask us a question like, you know, what's, what sort of audience is looking at this particular show? You know, can it help us with our marketing? Uh, but that, that's usually sort of at the, the later end of the process. It's after the show is up and running, um, you know, not part of the creative, the creative process. Is there like a typical audience member or is it really broad? I, I, I feel like there's probably a heavy amount of like younger viewers on this uh, website, but I'm wondering, that would be just my guess. It's very broad. Yeah. So, I mean, we get between five and six million people a month. Um, so we get a lot of every kind of people in person. Uh, the message board audience used to skew a little younger. Now it's sort of, I guess people are aging up a bit. Mm -hmm. um, some of the people you think are the youngest are older people that are just... Just immature. <laughs> just, <laughs> you said that, not me. Yeah. Um, and when we, when we sort of look at content, we look at the different groups of people. Of You know, this is, you know, more nostalgic, so it'll reach younger people and teach them something. Um, but probably get less views except amongst the older audience, and this appeals to everybody. Um, so we, we, we can sort of identify those different buckets, some of which is obvious. If you're mm -hmm. looking at like a SpongeBob or a Mean Girls, yeah. it's, you know, okay, that's an audience. Sometimes it's a hit show like Hamilton that expands to everyone. Mm -hmm. um, but like when you sit through a, a bad presentation of, of a Broadway show looking for investors, and they yeah. say, you know, we have something for everybody, yeah. um, we sort of adhere to that as well. <laughs> Hopefully it's not a bad presentation. Uh, with, all, with all the stuff in the articles you do and you see traffic, are you ever like really surprised that a show is a hit or a flop? Or do you kind of see the writing on the wall earlier than maybe some others? Uh, sometimes the early writing on the wall is not accurate because things build. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to mention any specific yeah, you know, examples yeah, you don't have to offend anybody. Specific. But there are, there are things that I didn't think was a good idea, and I would, you know, look at the early article traffic and said, okay, you know, nobody thinks this is a good idea. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but if it's executed well and audience buzz builds... Well, Hamilton was an awful idea. Right. <laughs> Everybody um, thought it was ridiculous until it wasn't. <laughs> almost from the first teases of Hamilton, yeah. you know, the, the viral video yeah. from the White House, and the, the, we had some footage yeah. from Lincoln Center. Um, and then, you know, from the first preview, it was clear it was a huge thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, Bands Visited is, is an example of something that started with, you know, little buzz. It was off-Broadway. The articles weren't getting a large amount of traffic. Um, and now it's, yeah. you know, a front runner for best musical. Um, so if we had sort of just looked at the data early on, yeah. we would have ignored it. Uh, but because, you know, data is only one factor in our decision making, um, there's still art in there too. And <laughs> yeah, well, well, with that, how many people are, you know, like, I mean, do you have people that are kind of just strictly on the creative end or is everybody kind of a blend of like programmer and theater fan? Uh, nobody, uh, our, well, or there are a lot of people who are just coders and like, I could care less what I'm working on. Now our coders are sort of a team. Some of it's still me at weird hours of the day and night because, yeah. uh, I'm better at coding than sometimes I am at management or editorial or other things. So if I can close myself in a room and build something or tweak something, I feel, feel like the old days. <laughs> um, but, uh, on, on the, the, the staff, we have probably about a dozen full-time people Everybody's doing a mix of, you know, this is what we have to do every day as far as, you know, what's coming in to our news desk mm -hmm. and what's coming in from all these markets. Um, and then we have sort of weekly and monthly editorial meetings uh, that discuss the more creative things. So, I mean, anybody will burn out, myself included, if they're just, you know, posting 100, you know, news stories a day. Yeah without ever, you know, picking up the phone and talking to somebody and doing follow-ups or doing, a, you know, interviews or things that they like and care about. Um, so we try and mix the two for sanity and for editorial quality. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, it, if the site was, you know, just based on my taste, it would be Michael Crawford World, yeah. um, which I still think is a great idea for a, a secondary website. Uh, but we've always wanted to bring in what everybody loves, which is, you know, varied and different. And the shows that got us all excited about the, the theater world are, you know, vary from person to person. And um, as much of that as you can spread around, it creates a more interesting mix of content. Besides that now you're obviously very established, um, but just towards kind of the internet in general, have you seen a change in the industry's attitude towards what you do on the site change in 15 years? People take my phone calls now. <laughs> uh, in the first couple of years, uh, I mean, we, the internet was sort of newer and we were new. So there was events we couldn't get invited to. There was uh, one press rep about one hit show said, I don't care about the internet and hung up on me. Yeah. Um, I won't mention his name either. Um, <laughs> I have a, a press agency that is so passive aggressive when they'll deal with me at all that I... Like, right. Yeah. Um, and we were always sort of having to prove ourselves. Yeah. Everything was... You know, we want to cover this. Here's why you should, you yeah. know, let us in. You know, please, sir, can we have some porridge? Uh, whereas now everybody knows who we are. They know what we can do. They know what our strengths are, hopefully. Mm -hmm. um, so we're sort of not, I mean, we're, we're still pitching ourselves mm -hmm. as to, you know, this is why you should do this with us instead of one of the other theater outlets or the New York Times or Entertainment Weekly or uh, whoever cares about theater this week. Um, but we're, we're begging slightly less. Um, <laughs> and now we're getting begged slightly more. So. <laughs> Are things changing as kind of the newspaper landscape changes and there we're getting less local art coverage and less reviewers? Is, have you seen that impact your site? We've seen that impact nationwide and regionally more than in New York. 
So there's markets where we might have the only critic because the local newspaper isn't doing it anymore. Or there's markets where the, the newspaper critic is only doing the major shows now. Um, so I think it's made what we do more important in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Uh, in New York, there's probably less of an impact just because there's, you know, the arts coverage has gone down, but there's still a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely nationwide, we can see that on a, an ongoing basis. Did that influence your decision to start getting more people out there in regional markets? I guess, did that lead the charge, so to speak, of your... Yeah, we, it mm-hmm. was always important to us. It was always important to me, I should yeah. say, because us sounds a little <laughs> more royal. Um, I always refer to Broadway Bullet as us. us I'm talking yes. to... <laughs> uh, it's, it's us now, but then it was, then it was yeah. just me. Um, no, I mean... It, Sometimes there's more interesting things, as you know, taking place across the country and around the world than there are in New York. Um, and from day one, like if we ran, if we run a story about like a, a cabaret in Montana, mm-hmm. that let's say 16 people view that article, as opposed to 100,000 people viewing yeah. a Hamilton article. Yeah. Uh, if of those 16 people, eight buy tickets, that could be half the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and that cabaret space is much more appreciative than, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda doesn't call to yeah. say thank you, uh, <laughs> nor does he have to. But uh, so that's always sort of been a motivating factor is, you know, we can make a difference in these places. And it's important for the communities, it's important for the people, it's important for society as a whole that art flourishes and that there's coverage of art that people can find. Uh, And a lot of that feeds into the New York pipeline. So there's, you know, business reasons to do it and vice versa. Um, How much of your traffic is regional versus New York now? Uh, 30% of our traffic comes from the tri-state area. So okay. 70% is outside the tri-state oh, that's, area. Wow, that's a, um, it's a, well, or it should be to articles related to non-New York. Do you know that? I mean, the, not off the top of my okay, head. That's yeah. one of the complicated data problems yeah. we have. So if you're coming from Montana and you're looking for Broadway coverage, we try and also say like, Hey, we have Montana yeah. coverage. Yeah. Or if you're coming for Montana coverage, we say like, Hey, if you're looking at Broadway, yeah. come here too. Yeah. Um, so I do have stats on that, but not off the top yeah. of my head. But that's sort of like, it's been, I'd say that was one of our 2018 goals as to how can we make it easier to find everything we do mm-hmm. uh, based on where you're coming from. Because we have too much content, which is a, mm-hmm. a good problem, but still a problem. So I, I want to go in a different direction besides Broadway World for our listeners sure. and you know our, our various actors or theater companies listening is, what simple things do you think, first off, like an actor or performer can do to improve their own website and, and be useful? <laughs> uh, text is important. Okay. Uh, so there's been a trend recently where a lot of people will have just an Instagram page uh, or just a Twitter account or a website that just has a couple of YouTube videos. And if we're doing a story on you because you're making your Broadway debut or you're doing something interesting regionally, and we can't find a bio, we can't find contact information, or we can't find you at all because mm-hmm. in a search engine it's looking for text and you don't have text. Mm-hmm. Uh, it drives us crazy. Um, and if you don't have a website that has headshots, uh, then we'll grab some crummy production <laughs> shot and you'll email us saying, you know, why is there a blurry picture that's not even of me? And we'll go, we couldn't find you. Um, having video content is important. Uh, both for us, if, you know, again, if, if you're making your debut in something, and we could say, you know, meet this person, here's everything they've done, it's good mm-hmm. for you, it's good for the show. Uh, we hear the same thing all the time from agents, I'll get, and from casting directors, 
I'll get emails from casting people saying, you know, do you know anything about this person? Or mm-hmm. I found this person in a random regional story on Broadway World. What else do you know? Mm-hmm. And we'll go, we've got nothing. And then sometimes we'll go, oh, we have all these other things because, you know, we found it. It turned out we did two stories on them. You know, here we can give you more of a background. So content, content, content. I, yeah, I, I still think a lot of actors are really behind the curve when sitting on a page. You know, bands and musicians, you know, got into this all because right. they realized it was a marketing tool. But and I don't know if it's like a marketing tool for actors so much in terms of it's not like you're not building up a fan base. Right. Like, but it is a repository for all these people who need to find out information about you or your company. Right. Uh, Broader World started offering websites to people, so we now have. <laughs> A, a cheap monthly or annual price. Uh, you can take your Broadway World database page and turn it into an official website, uh, which is because we also saw a lot of people just had a Broadway World page and didn't have a website. And then we would get weird emails of like, how do I contact this person? And so we have no idea. Uh, so that's a service that we started offering. But definitely, many actors will say, you know, I'm waiting to make it big. Yeah. Or, you know, Idina Menzel has a website because she has fans. Yeah. You know, I don't other than my mother. Yeah. Um, but it's not just about your hopeful future fan base. It's about industry people. Yeah. And similar to my analogy from before about the cabaret in Montana, if you know yeah. only two people are looking at your website, but one of them is... Hires you. Right, one of them <laughs> hires you, then that helps. <laughs> um, and everybody is Googling you these days. If, you know, you, even if you have a great audition somewhere, sometimes the director won't be in the room, so they'll mm-hmm. get you know, feedback, but maybe not a taped audition. Uh, you want to be findable. And it doesn't have to be an expensive website. It doesn't, you know, you don't have to pay somebody thousands of dollars. It doesn't have to have. Yeah, the final includes, like you mentioned, contact information. It's amazing, right. like the people <laughs> that have no fans but their mother but seem to be to- so afraid to put their contact information right. down like they're going to be flooded with stalkers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good problem to have until it's a, a bad problem to have. Um, and your stalker will find you anyway. They're yeah. better at it than the average casting director. <laughs> They'll, the casting director will move on to the next person, whereas, yeah. you know, the stalker you have for a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> um, with, with Broadway World, are there future plans that you have for taking this on that, you, that you're willing to divulge? I'm sure you have future plans, but are there, are there any future hopes and desires for the website that you're willing to tease or divulge? Uh, we're, we're always looking to do more regionally because there's never, there's never enough. Uh, and we're trying to look at the the things we do best in New York and Broadway with more people, more resources, to try and figure out how to expand that regionally. Uh, so like multimedia content, soliciting photos and videos, or helping even create photos and videos. Is there anything in it for these stringers that help you out with that? Yes. <laughs> uh, it varies. A lot of our yeah. contributors are, are you know, getting uh, tickets, so it's yeah. maybe saving them money more than yeah. remuneration. Uh, the local advertising model is something that we're getting closer to cracking. Uh, so letting theaters sort of sponsor their listing uh, or pay nominal amounts of money, yeah. which then can go into developing local resources. Uh, I would have answered the question probably the same 10 years ago as I yeah. am now. Uh, but that model, thanks to people getting familiar with Google ads and Facebook ads and things like that, uh, is becoming uh, more realized. Mm-hmm. Um, Education is a major passion point. Uh, so we now have an education team. We have student centers for college, high school, and even elementary schools, and summer camps, which grew out of that. Uh, so spotlighting what different programs are doing, what students are doing in different parts of the country, 
uh, how they're approaching the same productions, uh, how they're learning locally if they're looking to pursue a career or if they're not looking to pursue a career in theater uh, is something that I think is a growth opportunity for us and also, again, good for the world. And as schools like newspapers cut back on the arts, um, we want to sort of provide a way where people can learn things online. They can share information online about the ways that they're self-learning about the arts. Uh, through sites like Broadway World and through sort of more specific resources. Um, I, I think those are probably the two sort of biggest passion points uh, for 2018. And then there's, you know, apps. There's other sort of website functions that grow out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's serving people in more places and education. Just in the internet world, so not necessarily even specific to you, how much panic or worry is there that there's like the next big disruptor out there that is going to completely oh, change the mind. <laughs> uh, I don't sleep much at night anyway. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've, we've been through, I mean, we've, there was the panic of social media, which mm-hmm. was like eight panics of like yeah. Facebook panic, Twitter panic, yeah. uh, Snapchat panic, which sort of came and went, uh, Pinterest panic, which <laughs> <laughs> came and went very quickly. Uh, then it was everybody needs an app. Then it was, you know, everybody needs a TV app, which we have, and it's actually doing quite well. Um, There were sort of always a little panic of what is the next thing? Uh, Are we devoting resources to the right thing? Um, But again, we sort of try to plant our flag in early. And if it's a wave, we try and ride it to some degree. And if it's, you know, the world is going to flip over, we try and hold on to the world. Those people who don't code out there listening, and I'm guessing there's a lot, how big of a deal is a minor change with coding on on a site that's as massive as Broadway World? Uh, for me, who's been doing it for a decade or two, I mean, it's I can do something in 30 seconds. I can also break the whole website in 30 seconds. <laughs> uh, many times I'll do something, I'll pat myself on the back, and then my watch or phone will start buzzing. It's, you know, error, error, error. I can't get Patty Lapone's video of her yelling at the audience member. Exactly. Uh, it's in an early advertising meeting, like, probably 13 years ago, where they were complaining about the message board, so nothing's changed. And I said, oh, I could, you know, turn it off from my phone, and I... It is. I said, look, there is no message board. And then I couldn't turn it back on, <laughs> which resulted in a series of panicked phone calls. Um, I mean, the average person the average person in the theater world probably doesn't need to code themselves. They yeah. can, I mean, Broadworld offers a service, but, you know, there's Wix and there's Squarespace. There's yeah. sort of a dozen different... I, I'm just thinking for more for those people that are thinking, like, why don't they do that? Why don't they do that? I, and, yeah. and I'm just imagining that something that may seem or look simple, yeah. you know, and it changes, like, Probably got massive layers of stuff behind. Yeah, sometimes we haven't thought of it yet. Sometimes there will be sort of a cascading effect of this is going to break 18 other things or majorly change, you know, a business process. Uh, And sometimes it's just, you know, this would only help 10 people. Let's focus on a thing that will help 1,000 people. How do you decide what news makes kind of the front page? Um, Sort of the main front page is the news you would expect to see there. For the most part. Uh, so people have stuff about Broadway stars, Broadway shows. Uh, content that we spend more time on creating, like original content, uh, usually will be positioned a bit higher, uh, unless it's major breaking news of some sort. Uh, we, again, using data, I've got a screen that shows me what people are viewing in real time. So 
So if I see we've done a story in a random place that's doing very well, yeah. uh, the first question is why, yeah. <laughs> and then the second question is because that person is is from a family that has eight hundred relatives, right? <laughs> or did somebody die? Or is it being shared because we've done something horribly wrong, yeah. or because the person has done something horribly wrong? Yeah. Sometimes it'll be like somebody's been arrested. Yeah. Ten years later, and when you Google them, it's bringing up a Broader Girls news story from ten yeah. years prior. Uh, I'm not going to say who that yeah. was either. <laughs> uh, but sometimes that also will be like, oh, or they're doing something cool that we weren't aware of. Yeah. Um, so like it'll be they're doing a revival, but in a new way. And maybe whoever posted it didn't think, oh, this is cool. But for whatever reason, it's caught on either through social media. Um, Usually, I guess, through social media. We'll go, okay, you know, let, that should be bumped up. Is yeah. sort of our... That brings up an interesting question in terms of how much kind of like long-tail traffic in is there, specifically in terms of like old articles. Yeah. How, how much is like, how many people are still digging in? Because part of why I restarted Broadway, I mean, Broadway Bullet after I got going is like after a few people kind of begged me and tried to find a way to do it again. It was like five years later, I checked the data. I'm going, holy cow, everything's still getting downloaded. There's still subscribers. Okay, let me figure out how I can do it. Yeah. Um, and even now, like we, our very, you know, first season of episodes, each episode still gets like 20 downloads a month. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is there a lot of deep dive traffic? There is. If somebody is a fan of or they're researching something, they'll go back and see it all. Uh, And there's especially stuff like early video content that we have and early interviews or like photos from a show or photos from an opening night still get traffic uh, all the time. And usually they're broken because we've changed our content system so many times or we're no longer using things like Flash and old web technologies. Uh, So we get hate mail every day of, you know, I'm trying to access this article from 2004. I can't. and then it's a sort of a mad scramble of to how God, how many other places is this broken? And, <laughs> and what did Rob do to break this? And <laughs> why didn't we think of that? Uh, but it's there forever if it's the internet for good or bad. So, uh, how much time do you get to just like enjoy yourself and like just be a dude? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Uh, about, uh, I guess, literally five years ago, I had sort of like, I don't want to call it a mental breakdown, but I sort of hit my tipping point of I'm working 16 hours a day, I'm working seven days a week, uh, living in the middle of Manhattan. If I go out to walk the dog, somebody's going to pitch me on their 54 Below show, um, or please come to my cabaret. Like, something has to change in my life or this is going to kill me. Uh, So we bought a a small lake house in the middle of New Jersey, um, intended as a weekend house, and I basically stopped leaving. So <laughs> we wound up moving there full-time. Uh, still have a, a small apartment in the city because I'm here two or three days a week, obviously, for, for yeah. theater and meetings and fun things like this. Uh, but I made that life shift of, you know, now we have a yard. I can, you know, pull weeds or plant flowers. We have, uh, you know, great friends on the lake. I can kayak after work or I can, you know, have a, a cranky conference call and then jump in the water and swim uh, there's an island in the middle of the lake owned by Chris Sieber, a <laughs> multi-Tony nominee. Um, so I can sort of, you know, do that and then go back to work. So I'm still working probably as much um, sort of by choice as a personality mm-hmm. type as well as by necessity. It's more of a therapy question. Of, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think sometimes if somebody feels, if you feel satisfied and you're not continually pushing yourself, then you could fall behind. Uh, that's what I tell myself, and that's what I tell my wife and the dogs, as to you know why I'm working at weird hours of the day and night. Um, I'm happier when I'm working most of the time, uh, based on what I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, 
And I think, I think the fact that that passion hasn't gone down is one of the things that's helped kept us growing. Touch wood. It may kill me, but... So what are some of your favorite shows over, over the years as, as editor-in-chief of Broadway World? I have no favorites. Uh, no, you can I be... can't. No, I don't, I don't give... Maybe not current running then, so it's not things... I, I, like, I, eliminate the current's not an option, but what have been no, some I of don't, your... I don't generally share those <laughs> opinions, because if I say what I like, then I'll get questions from people about what about this, what about that, <laughs> and I don't feel it's fair yeah. to say what I like without saying what I don't like, yeah. uh, which is why I don't do much social media myself, because... Mm. If I say I am at a show, then it's what you think of it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and officially as CEO, as well as editor-in-chief, as CEO, I have to love everything. As editor-in-chief, I can't have an opinion, but I can't share it publicly because of the CEO. Okay, happened. so then without specific shows, <laughs> are there any particular trends you've seen that you've enjoyed coming up or trends that you in theater that you are glad to see kind of fade away without talking specific shows? Uh, I like quality. Trend of quality. Trend of quality. Um, <laughs> I like when a show takes its time to develop. So there's there's been a trend. Um, some shows have come in before they should have. Either skipping yeah. out of town tryouts or skipping additional workshops because of the crunch of theaters. Uh, and many of those shows have disappointed me as, oh, this was close to being great. Mm-hmm. And if they had just taken a little more time, they could have gotten it to the next level. Uh, because the once things sort of enter previews in New York, they're no longer making as many changes as they could or should, or as an audience member might hope that they would. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of that work that used to happen in that period doesn't anymore. Um, so that's a trend that sort of always, because we we get sort of a a look at shows in their development process, either through coverage we're doing or through out of town coverage or just knowing people that are doing workshops or. People sending us scripts and things, you know, as they do to try and get on our radar or to leak us something that yeah. might be newsworthy. Um, so sort of the trend I'm always hopeful for is for shows to take as much time as they need and not say, oh, my God, we have to come in right now because we have a theater. Even if it's not the best time of year, we don't have necessarily the star that we want. Uh, and, you know, let's instead of doing the out-of-town tryout, we'll just, you know, quickly workshop it ourselves and, yeah. and come right in. Um, so that, I guess that sort of goes back to quality. Um, yeah, but no, but that's a much more good specific answer. I, I yeah. agree. I think there are. I have heard the stories recently of some people that that theater crunch is, I think it is, a lot of that motivation. Oh, I got a theater, so I got to fill it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And many shows have come in earlier than they planned because of the theater crunch. And that's unfortunate. I mean, it's a reality, but it's unfortunate that we don't have more theaters. Um, and I still remember the time in, like, when I was in college, like, mid-90s, where half right. the theaters were sitting, I think even more than half the theaters were sitting empty, and everybody's like, going, oh, is Broadway over? Right. Wow, how things have, you know. um, The other trend I don't like is not everything, I think, has to come to Broadway. I think a lot of shows have that as their end goal. I feel, I've been out of town, but I feel like off-Broadway has gotten healthier in the past seven years. Is, is that just my own perception from being on the other side and away from it? But it feels like there's more original stuff happening off-Broadway now. There is. A lot of it is still Broadway-aimed um, or part of subscription seasons that include Broadway-aimed stuff. Um, there's less shows that are aiming for off-Broadway as their final destination, mm-hmm. uh, except some Broadway shows that have closed and yeah. off-Broadway is their final destination. Yeah. Uh, 
but there's not shows that are have found sort of a sustainable way of you know having a star or a semi star um, and thinking okay you know we can cast replacements we can run off Broadway for two or three years and it'll be fine it's you know we're going to lose money or sort of break even off Broadway for six or nine months if we get good buzz and good reviews we'll move it to Broadway yeah um, and I don't think everything is meant for Broadway and I think there's some shows that are smaller that probably shouldn't have come to Broadway uh, that would have had in olden days, and healthier off-Broadway run. Yeah. Uh, and maybe now in modern times can do things like streaming it through a, a Broadway HD or Fathom Events mm-hmm. or one of the other players out there um, and then have a regional life without necessarily needing Broadway as part of its cachet. Yeah. Where, do, you, do you have a position on the open the Tony nominations to off-Broadway kind of debate that, I, that goes on? Uh, because there's a lot of people yeah. that say that off-Broadway, they think off-Broadway would be a little bit more of a destination, at least for getting those stars, if they could become Tony-nominated. Right. You know, um, that they're not all in it for the money, and they would, you know... They, they're you know, in it for the awards prestige? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that basically boils down to the nut of the argument that I, that I right. see on their side. I, I, I haven't weighed in on whether that's true or not, but I think there might be some, some truth to that, that yeah. I don't think Denzel Washington cares about how much he's getting paid for the Broadway show he's you know, right. in so much as he's doing it because he wants to do theater, and hey, get a Tony, maybe. You know? right. I don't think I'd be, I would be surprised if it, a Tony was a motivation for Denzel Washington yeah, but, when picking roles. I don't know. He uh, chased after that Oscar heavy for years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, they, they always look nice on the shelf, but... Um, <laughs> Most of them are doing it for, yeah. the, for the prestige of it or yeah. to get back to their roots or for the... Well, the prestige, that's the thing, that if the Tonys yeah. expanded to off-Broadway, there yeah. becomes a little more prestige to Broadway. Right. I mean, to off-Broadway. Right. And I, I think opens it in situations, too, when we've got, like, don't even have, this year, we don't even have a full five eligible new score nominees. Right. Um, artistically, I would say, sure. Yeah. Uh, sort of the, the, the geek in me then says... Logistically, that yeah. would almost be impossible um, because off-Broadway is so over-encompassing. Uh, and even we have a, a problem defining what's off-Broadway and what's off-off-Broadway. Yeah. Um, so sort of the number of shows that could qualify and then getting nominators there and then getting voters there, which still by many reports they don't do as well on Broadway yeah. as they should. You know, We saw that this season with the, the oddness with 1984, <laughs> which then became eligible when a nominator later recused themselves for not having seen everything. Um, and we hear about that all the time with Tony voters that don't necessarily see every show and hopefully recuse themselves, but not always from those categories. Um, So I think the way the Tonys are set up in its current incarnation of nominators and voters, it couldn't accommodate, let's say, three times as many shows or four times as many shows. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, there's many things that I think, like the Lortels and, other awards that do cross over into off-Broadway that I would love to yeah. see have more prominence. Uh, if there's a way to get them on a PBS or to stream them on a Broadway yeah. world. Um, hint, hint. Which maybe Broadway I should call about after this. Yeah. Um, I think there's ways to sort of raise that to a greater prominence. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to make Denzel Washington is going to go. Yeah. I'm going to pick up an award. They're going to send me on Broadway world. I'll do it. <laughs> uh, but if it does, then another 10 or 15 years, right? Right. We, we can hope for that. Um, but if, you know, if we can help make the off-Broadway model more sustainable, there's almost nothing we would say no to doing there to help that. Because 
Because I just agree. I mean, I agree with you in terms of like, I just, I miss more plays and musicals that are aimed at a more intimate space. Right. Um, And because, I mean, I love seeing the big Broadway shows, but to me also the the real nut of theater is sitting in a 200 seat house where you're really close to the actors and the audience really has an effect on what's going on and, 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 and you're right there. Yeah. You know. The, the best and worst things you'll see uh, <laughs> uh, are in the smaller theaters. Yeah. Um, on, on, on both extremes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you don't need to. <laughs> and very often to the extreme. Yeah. Uh, and these days, with the ability to stream stuff yeah. and film things, you can get that larger audience. You can, you know, use that to develop a future life, either regionally or in theaters or on one of these new online platforms uh, for theaters. So we're seeing shows doing that, which excites me that. Like a, a Daddy Long Legs mm-hmm. or um, The Woodsman or some of the, the great things that ran off Broadway instead of, oh my God, we have to come to Broadway to ever yeah. you know, pay back or fulfill our investor dreams or our artistic dreams. You know, we can have a great run, we can have a great broadcast, we can be available on demand, and we can use that to have a wonderful regional life. Yeah. Well, Robert Diamond, it has been a pleasure talking to you about this area. I mean, the, some of these kind? things I'd kind of known, some I had no idea about. Um, it's great to see that you're still so happy and, and enjoy all this because I, I, I think last time we met and chat was about like nine or ten years ago. So yeah, we're, and, we're both. You can't see us, so I can say we're aging well. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll try back yeah. in another ten years. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks so much for coming in, and good luck on, on continuing to, to provide the world uh, Broadway. Thank you for having me.